to episode 48 of the Burning Bush podcast, where we share the message of the Bible while enjoying a good cigar. Hope everybody's having a great week, and uh, this week I'm smoking the Four Kicks by Crowned Heads. And the Crowned Heads makes a few different cigars that I really like. Um, I've had a couple of them on the show already, and uh, so let's go over to their website and uh, read what they have to say about four kicks. You with your switchblade posse, I'll get my guns from the south, we'll take to the yard like a cockfight, four kicks, who's strutting now? It's from the song Four Kicks by Kings of Leon. These are the words that were the inspiration behind Crownhead's first cigar brand release, Four Kicks. It was towards the end of 2010, and my colleagues and I were in the midst of a tumultuous period of uncertainty, transition, and change. The company that we held dear to our hearts, CAO International Incorporated, was caught in the middle of a corporate merger between Swedish Match and ST Group, CAO's parent company at the time. The very foundation that CAO had been built upon people, relationships, integrity, and loyalty were being stripped away. The end result would be that many people whom we considered as family would soon be unemployed and CAO would find itself being taken away from its hometown of Nashville, Tennessee and relocated to Richmond, Virginia. When you see some 15 years of your life's work, your heart, passion, and joy coming to an end, you're filled with many emotions. The song Four Kicks really spoke to me. It was filled with anger, rebellion, confidence, and determination. These were the feelings that inspired us to forge together and create what would later become Crowned Heads LLC. Four Kicks is a brand that was born as a rebellious child, evolved into an angry adolescent, and finally matured into an adult who's personally centered around excellent, excellence, confidence, and determination. In a way, the final blend we selected smokes in the same manner. It opens big, bold, and in-your-face. It then takes you on a ride of complexity, richness, and finesse. It finishes bright and clean and leaves its fingerprints on your palate to remind you that it was there. Four Kicks is about sticking to your guns and remaining loyal to those whom you love and the hometown that brought you to the dance. Four Kicks is about turning your back on the corporate machine and making your own rules. John Huber, Crowned Heads, LLC. And that is the description from the Crowned Heads website. And I'll take you over to Cigars International for the uh, blend and the Vitolas since they don't have those on the Crowned Head website, the uh, Crowned Heads website. So the profile is a medium. The wrapper is Ecuadorian Habano. Binder and filler are both Nicaraguan. And the Vitolas are Corona Gorda, 5.6 by 46. Robusto 5 by 50, Robusto Extra 5.5 by 56, and the Sublime Toro is a 6 by 54. 
and that is the details on the crowned heads by or the uh, four kicks by crowned heads uh, which is like I said they make a few cigars that I really like and I've had a, a couple of them on the show already so uh, check out crowned heads check out their website and uh, see what they've got to offer I think you'll you'll really find something that you like if you haven't already tried them <clears throat> so as you can tell I'm still fighting off the COVID uh, symptoms so my, my, my throat's still a little bit hoarse uh, from last week so I'm gonna try and power through and get this done so let's get back into uh, Dr. Justin Bass's book The Bedrock of Christianity and we're still in chapter one and this week's section is entitled Zeal for Yahweh Let us begin with Phineas, the paradigmatic figure who had zeal for Yahweh. When the Israelites were on the verge of entering the Promised Land, they committed idolatry with the god of Baal, Baal of Peor, and part of this idolatry involved sexual immorality. During this time, an Israelite man, Zimri, in full view of Moses, took a Midianite woman, Cosby, into his tent. Numbers 25 one through six. Phineas, who was the grandson of Aaron, Moses' brother, took a spear, went into the tent, and drove it straight through Zimri and Cosby while they were having sexual relations. Numbers twenty five, seven through eight. As a result of Phineas plunging his spear through their bodies, the plague on the sons of Israel was checked. Numbers twenty five eight. God himself even praises Phineas saying, Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, has turned away my wrath from the sons of Israel, for he was as zealous as I am for my honor among them, so that in my zeal I did not put an end to them. Therefore say, Behold, I, I give him my covenant of peace, and it shall be for him and his descendants after him, a covenant of a perpetual priesthood, because he was zealous for his God and made atonement for the sons of Israel. Numbers 25, 11-13 This story may offend 21st century sensibilities. Many in our world today would probably argue that Phineas was the one who was evil, not the couple in the tent. They might accuse Phineas of being an intolerant bigot who shouldn't mind what people do in their own bedroom or tent. But the young Pharisee Paul and all the Jewish commentators on this verse before him would strongly disagree. Sins against God's honor, whether idolatry or sexual immorality, deserved the shocking punishment that Phineas meted out. In fact, Phineas went on to be praised for what he did in the Psalms. Then Phineas stood up and interposed, and so the plague was stayed and it was reckoned to him for righteousness to all generations forever. Psalm 106, 30-31 even, even later in Jewish history, in 180 BC, the grandson of the wise man, Sirach, recorded his grandfather saying this, Phineas, son of Eleazar, ranks third in glory for being zealous in the fear of the Lord, 
and standing firm when the people turned away in the noble courage of his soul, and he made atonement for Israel. Sirach Ecclesiasticus 45.23 Moreover, the author of 1 Maccabees around 100 BC also revered Phineas. Phineas, our ancestor, because he was deeply zealous, received the covenant of everlasting priesthood. 1 Maccabees 2.54 Even that other famous first century Pharisee, Josephus, has a long, glowing review of Phineas's glorious deeds and zeal for God. Jewish Antiquities 4.152-155 It's safe to say Phineas, Phineas was a shining example of zeal for Jews down through the centuries, especially for a young Pharisee such as Paul. Another example of a zealous warrior hero of old would have been the prophet Elijah. The full account is recorded in the book of 1 Kings. Then he came there to a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very zealous for Yahweh, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. 1 Kings 19, 9-10 Elijah had been very zealous for Yahweh, as he had just destroyed 850 of the prophets of Baal and Asherah on Mount Carmel. The text even says Elijah himself brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. 1 Kings 18.40 As with Phineas, both Sirach and 1 Maccabees praise Elijah for his burning zeal for God. Paul even quotes the account where Elijah mentions his zeal in Romans 11.2-4. A third example of a hero for Paul is the Israelite king Jehu, who was anointed by the prophet Elisha, Elijah's successor. Jehu was commissioned by the Lord to destroy the entire house of Ahab. Jehu, who should forever be known as Jehu the Terminator, did this too well, killing so many people even beyond Ahab's line that he was rebuked by the prophet Hosea. Hosea 1.4 Jehu began doing the Lord's will by assassinating the kings Jehoram and Ahaziah, he then commanded that the Baal-worshipping witch Jezebel, Ahab's wife, be thrown down onto the street, with her blood splattering the walls. Later, he persuaded the leaders of Samaria, Israel's capital city, to behead the seventy sons of Ahab and piled all their heads into two heaps at the entrance to the gate. Jehu's bloodlust seemed to have no limits once he began to slaughter anyone who even knew Ahab in Jezreel and Samaria. Jehu even deceived the priests of Baal and gathered many worshippers into a temple of Baal with the pretense that he and his friend Jehonadab were going to offer sacrifices. Instead, 
He ordered 80 men outside to kill everyone inside, burn down the temple, and urinate all over the ashes of their corpses and Baal's ruins. The story of Jehu is an excellent Bible story to read to your kids at bedtime. Jehu refers to all that he is doing as his zeal for Yahweh. Come with me and see my zeal for Yahweh, 2 Kings 10.16, my translation. And God does at least approve of Jehu's initial zeal in wiping out the house of Ahab. Yahweh said to Jehu, Because you have done well in executing what is right in my eyes, and have done to the house of Ahab according to all that was in my heart, your sons of the fourth generation shall sit on the throne of Israel. 2 Kings 10.30, my translation. It seems from the testimony of the Hebrew scriptures alone that to have zeal for Yahweh is to be willing to defend his honor even violently against sinning Israelites and especially against heretics seeking to lead Israel astray. Ermon writes concerning Paul's claim in 2 Corinthians 11.24 that he had received 39 lashes that it would mean he was caught out in a Jewish context of worship. Possibly, we can infer that he himself meted out this punishment on others before he had converted. If so, this would make sense of his claim that when he persecuted the church, he did so violently. Galatians 1.13 Finally, Paul also drew great inspiration from the Maccabean Revolt, 167-164 B.C., which is documented in 1st and 2nd Maccabees. In both of these accounts, Mattathias and his sons Judas, Simon, and Jonathan provide the model for a Jewish revolution against a wicked pagan ruler. When the ruler Antiochus Epiphanes came into Jerusalem beginning in 175 BC, he heavily persecuted the Jews, burned their scriptures, disrupted Jewish festivals, and set up an altar of Zeus in the Holy of Holies of the temple. Antiochus even sacrificed a pig on Zeus's altar and spread pig's blood all over the holy sanctuary. See 1 Maccabees 1.41 through 64 and 2 Maccabees, 2 Maccabees 6, 1 through 17. The haunting title, Abomination of Desolation, forever after became its name. See Daniel 11.31 and 12.11 and Mark 13, Matthew 24.15 and see also 1 Maccabees 6.7. Some of the Jews, led by Mattathias and his sons, rebelled against Antiochus. They withdrew to the caves in the mountains and performed guerrilla warfare against Antiochus and his soldiers for the next three years. The rebellion began when Mattathias, seeing a Jew offering sacrifices before an altar to a pagan god, ran and killed him right on the altar. When Mattathias saw it, he burned with zeal and his heart was stirred. He gave vent to righteous anger. He ran and killed him on the altar. At the same time, he killed the king's officer who was forcing them to sacrifice and he tore down the altar. Thus, he burned with zeal for the law, 
just as Phineas did against Zimri, son of Salu. Then Mattathias cried out in the town with a loud voice, saying, Let everyone who is zealous for the law and supports the covenant come out with me. 1 Maccabees 2, 24-27 And see also Josephus, Jewish Antiquities, 12.270-271 Notice that Mattathias burned with zeal and called everyone who is zealous for the law to join him. The author even invokes the story of Phineas's zeal. Mattathias died soon after they fled, leaving his son, Judas Maccabeus, the hammer, to lead the rebels from then on. Antiochus's horror came to an end on November 21, 164 B.C., when Judas the Hammer demonstrated great heroism and led his fellow rebels to Jerusalem and retook the city and its temple. This event is still celebrated by the Jews to this day as Hanukkah. There is little doubt that the young Pharisee Paul would have been greatly inspired by the Maccabean revolt and seen Mattathias and Judas as great heroes of old, much like the Greeks looked back to Hector and Achilles, or the Romans look back to Aeneas and Hercules. In that way, he was just like many other Jews of his day who were also zealous. What led Paul the Pharisee to persecute this new and rising sect of Nazarenes? By his own testimony, it was his zeal for God. Paul had the same burning zeal that Phineas, Elijah, Jehu, Mattathias and Judas had when they put sinners and heretics to death. Like his zealous predecessors, Paul knew Deuteronomy well. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes true concerning which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods whom you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has counseled rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery to seduce you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall purge the evil from among you. Deuteronomy 13, 1-3 and 5. Deuteronomy 21, 23 even says, For he who is hanged is accursed of God. Paul was absolutely convinced that this so-called prophet, Jesus of Nazareth, had hung on a tree and was cursed by God. This crucified criminal could not be God's Messiah. All the Jews of Jerusalem and the surrounding areas following him had been led astray by this dreamer. The sect of Nazarenes would continue to lead others from Israel astray if they were not stopped. As Deuteronomy makes clear, this blasphemer Jesus deserved to be put to death and so did his followers 
unless they recanted from their blasphemy. The zealous attitude of Paul and many of his contemporaries is summed up well by New Testament scholar J. Lewis Martin. In the collision between the crucified Jesus and the law, then, there was in the mind of this zealous Pharisee no doubt at all as to where God stood. God stood on the side of the law. Hence, Jesus, the law-cursed criminal, could not be God's Messiah, and the church that venerated him as such could not be the church of God. The book of Acts agrees with this, recording Paul's pre-conversion aims this way. So then, I thought to myself that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and this is just what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prisons, having received authority from the chief priests, but also, when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. And as I punished them often in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme, and being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them even to foreign cities. Acts 26, 9 through 11. This summary of Paul's aims fits well with the evidence provided from his letters. After his conversion, he continually looked back at this aim to persecute the church of God. Galatians 1.13 and 1 Corinthians 15.9 and even to try to destroy it, Galatians 1.13, as his chief sin. In short, that Paul, the zealous Pharisee, was persecuting followers of Jesus and trying to destroy this new Jewish movement in the early 30s AD is a bedrock fact. Then the unexpected, unthinkable, most extraordinary thing happened to this zealous Pharisaic persecutor. As convinced as Paul was that the crucified Jesus was cursed by God, suddenly, in one of the most dramatic turnabouts in history, as Ehrman puts it, Paul became even more convinced this Jesus was God's Messiah, the Lord of the world, whom God raised from the dead. Paul, the Pharisaic persecutor, was from this time forth known as Paul the Apostle. And that will do it for this week's reading of The Bedrock of Christianity from Dr. Justin Bass. And once again, I made it through just in time. Um, just about to lose my voice. Uh, like I said last week, I'm still recovering from COVID, and uh, my voice isn't much better this week. Uh, so I hope it's not too uh, too bad, but I've been trying to make it through. There's been a lot of pauses. So again, just like last week, there's going to be a lot of edits in this episode because my throat keeps drying out, and I'm sure you can hear it in my voice. So I'll go ahead and end it here and just say thanks for stopping by. I always appreciate it. And uh, check out the show notes for this week's cigar, for Dr. Justin Bass's website, for uh, groundworksministries.com, and also the Burning Bush Merchandise Store. And uh, until next week, have a great day, have a great cigar, and God bless. <laughs>